Welcome to another Youth Centered Podcast. This is number 14 in our series, and I'm very excited to have our guest today, uh, a former kid in our program. I've known him since he was uh, a young lad in our summer fun program, all the way up, obviously, to his times working with us here. Um, so I have Jimmy Warden as our guest today. Jimmy, thanks for coming on the Youth Centered Podcast. Thanks for having me, Rick. I'm really excited to be here. Jimmy, um, as we said, I've known you since you were a young guy. Um, tell us, a, tell our listeners a little bit that don't know Jimmy Warden, because you are out of town right now. Um, give us a little Jimmy Warden story, starting back when you were that young little kid. So my family and I, we moved here uh, the summer of 2002, so I was entering the third grade. Uh, so that's where I started. I went to Atkinson Elementary School, moved up to North Andover Middle School, on to the high school. And... As you mentioned, throughout the summers, was definitely a big fan of the summer fun program, participated in the Joseph Walsh Summer League basketball as well. So, Jimmy, uh, what would say what would you say some of your fondest memories of growing up in North Andover, whether it be, you know, sports, hanging out with your friends, school? Well, definitely those times at Summer Fun, uh, those definitely stick out. I still have some very vivid memories, even though, you know, they were at least probably over even 15 years ago now, some of, some of the memories. Um, definitely the summer league basketball as well, some very vivid memories of that. And honestly, working here as well, uh, that kind of progression, so to say, you know, being a camper and then kind of being on the other end of the spectrum and seeing what you can do within being a counselor and, you know, just seeing how that works as well and kind of coming coming around with that and really just having a tremendous impact on kids and really seeing what that can do that was you actually started out uh, obviously working in our building here and then working at Summer Fun and then um, you finished with us you were actually an assistant coordinator at Drummond uh, what was the growth process in, in working for us like well it was definitely it was interesting at first you know it was um, it was different just because you know you are on that other end of the perspective, you really have to hold yourself accountable because you really are the role model, so to say, when you're working here. Uh, no matter whether or not you want it to happen or not, kids do look up to you, regardless of who you are and what your life is like. That's just kind of the environment and the culture that's created here. So it was really cool to definitely have that as my role, so to say, and really just trying to fully understand that as much as I could, even at a younger age, you know, in high school, just knowing that I could have that impact and really just trying to carry myself to a higher standard. That way kids could look up to a great role model. Absolutely. Uh, you were a student athlete at North End of a high school. What were some of maybe, if you can think back, what were some of the pros and cons of being a student athlete, maybe pros and cons isn't the correct word, but obviously it's a, it's a huge commitment to be a, a strong student, uh, which you were as well as an athlete, and you played up to you know two to three sports a year. What was that like? Well, like you said, it was uh, it was definitely a lot of time management because I was involved in so many different things. Uh, it was definitely worth it in the end. It's really just trying to do your best as an individual to carve out time to make sure that your academics are up to par and just making sure that it doesn't interfere. Like sometimes, even in younger ages, kids 
you know, they might feel like, oh, I'm playing this sport, you know, my, my academics are kind of taking a backseat right now, but you really, really need to make sure that the academics are really coming first. That way, if you are fortunate enough to continue your athletic career after high school, that you're not passed over because of a lack of academic success. Um, so that was really a big uh, component for me is really just trying to have that time management balance, you know, multi-sports as well as the academics and really just trying to make the most out of both experiences. Sure. Upon graduation, you headed up to Vermont and Norwich University as a recruited basketball player. Um, what was it like to leave North Andover and head up to Vermont uh, to a school that uh, a lot of people don't even know is a, at least a half military school? Uh, you obviously weren't in the Corps, but what was that whole experience going from uh, little North Andover up to a, a great town, Northfield, Vermont? It was a little bit of a culture shock. You know, it's in the sense that, you know, North Andover, you know, a lot of people do think of it as a you know, small town, but there was a little bit more to offer as far as, you know, the social component went, you know, places to go to eat, you know, just activities to do. Um, so that was a little bit of a change. Uh, also, just being far away from home, I definitely consider myself a homebody. Norwich is about two and a half hours from North Andover. So just not always having the convenience to necessarily come home for a weekend or so. That was a little bit of a struggle. Like I definitely got homesick a lot my freshman year. But as you said, I think the basketball really helped in the sense that it took my mind off of that homesickness. And I really felt like that was... A second family in itself really just making those bonds with my basketball teammates sure and you ended up doing something that not many people do or can do you actually played two college sports up at uh, Norwich so uh, if I'm correct it was maybe after your first year you joined uh, the lacrosse program also uh, the seasons back up to each other which can be a bit stressful also um, what was it like actually playing two college sports uh, it, was, it was definitely a whirlwind at times, like you said, the sports are back-to-back. -back. Uh, and it, yes, as you were definitely correct, is after my freshman year, I played just basketball. Um, that fall of my sophomore year, I met some of the lacrosse players, and it just kind of came up in conversation. And I was like, yeah, you know, I used to play, play lacrosse in high school. And they were like, well, what are you doing? Why, why don't you come try out? And I said, ah, I don't know if I'm really that good. And um, so, you know, they came to some of the basketball games. They felt like... I was athletic enough to make the team and I ended up making the team and it was it was so much fun and it was definitely a great decision on my end you know despite the fact that it got a little chaotic as far as the time management went you know just like you said totally engulfed in sports as well as the academic piece of it but it was a it was a good busy so to say and I definitely do not regret the decision to, to play two sports. It was a phenomenal experience. So Norwich is a pretty demanding academic school also, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit later. You, you actually ended up getting two degrees, uh, two bachelor's degrees from Norwich. So how was that? Was that time management something you really had down to a science? Was it stressful at times? What were the most difficult times of you know, playing two sports, trying to maintain your academic excellence uh, up at Norwich? Well, it was... At, at points, I definitely felt like I had it down to a science, but it, it definitely wasn't perfect. There were there were definitely some long nights in the in the computer labs, and sometimes pulling all nighters towards the towards the finals time of you know come springtime when you're taking your your finals for your classes. But I really did a I really did try to do a, a I was pretty aware of trying to get my work done first, you know, because I I tried to take as many morning classes as I could. 
That way I had a chunk of time in the afternoon to get through any assignments before practice. That way, because, you know, you're, you're going out there and you're practicing hard. You're physically exhausting your body and your brain as well. And it comes to a point where you're, after practice, mentally, you're not really wanting to do much of anything besides just relax and, you know, maybe get a little bite to eat and get some sleep. So I really tried to be aware of how much work I had to do and my due dates. Um, but yes, there were, there were definitely some times where the time management was a little bit of a struggle. But again, at the end of the day, it was all worth it. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for you. As you know, my son Michael was a uh, talented basketball player, played four years of basketball, and I, I know what that time commitment was all about. And to even think about him playing two sports, I, I'm not sure he could have really done it with the academics, but uh, but you did uh, obviously an impressive job on that. And there are a few of our kids out there that are actually are playing two college sports, so I hope they're listening here today to hear some of those comments from Jimmy. Jimmy, upon graduating uh, from Norwich, uh, you got your first teaching and coaching job in Vermont. Uh, take us through how that actually started and uh, how it actually followed through in terms of not coming south back home to us and uh, staying up there in the Green Mountain State. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, it was uh, just kind of came to a point where I was doing my student teaching and I, I just felt like Vermont had more opportunity at offered me more opportunity at least to kind of get going within those careers right away and I felt like at least for me I know a lot of people learn differently but I know I learn best through experience so I felt like I really just kind of had to you know take advantage of some potential opportunities up in Vermont and really dive head first into it it was um you know it was a little tough at first because I went through the interview process in my student teaching you know I went and I took an interview there at the school that I student taught at didn't get the job, so I was a little down on myself, but I was fortunate enough, you know, that next job interview, I, I was lucky enough to get the feedback from my first job interview as far as, you know, pros and cons and things that I did well, things I might not have done so well. So I took that feedback into my next job interview and was able to um, accept a job after that second interview. And it's really been a great you know, great climate there. The It's the Washington Village School up in Washington, Vermont. Super small town, honestly. I think there's only about a thousand residents in the entire town, a hundred kids in the school. But it's, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal place to be. Uh, it's almost like a, a small family. You know, the school in itself, everybody knows everybody. Everybody's looking out for each other. It's just a really positive environment. Um, and then, you know, and then as far as coaching goes, um, you know, I have to give all the credit to uh, Dan Gothier. A quick shout out to Disco Dan. Uh, he was a he was an assistant coach um, at Norwich while I was a player. So that's how Dan and I first got connected. And him and I stayed in touch throughout the years. You know, and then he he touched base with me when he realized that I was staying up this uh, up this way. When I say this way, up in Vermont, and he asked me to first just be an assistant coach with the varsity team. Um, you know, and then a few things happened, you know, with his staff. So then I was actually fortunate enough to be the head coach of the junior varsity uh, U32 Raiders uh, at U32 High School, as well as assist him at the varsity level. So super fortunate for that. And big thanks to Dan for that opportunity. I've been uh, very close with uh, Disco a number of years. Obviously got to know him when he was recruiting a bunch of my kids down here for Norwich. And uh, 
very happy for him. He's taken over this U32 program and doing some great stuff. We often talk about culture and, and how to build a program and uh, wish him the best. And I was ecstatic that he uh, took you on staff. I think you can learn a lot from Disco, and uh, uh, I think you're going to do great over there. Uh, you have started a little thing called a Wednesday Wisdom, you know, your own a little podcast. Uh, I heard that you actually started up after you heard one of the first You Senate uh, podcasts, so yeah. we'll, we'll take a little credit for uh, starting yours. Uh, you got a thing called Wednesday's Wisdom with Jimmy uh, on social media. Um, I've actually been listening to it every week. I think it's really good. Um, your most let, recent one, Letting Go, we're going to talk a little bit about as we continue on this. But um, what, was the, uh, what was the reason you really wanted to do this, and what are you hoping to, to do with it, and... Uh, who are you reaching out to? You know, do you get some feedback from people when they do hear the Wednesday Wisdom with Jimmy? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for listening. Um, but you know, my whole thought process with that was really just trying to reach out to people um, to just give them a different perspective on various life topics and adversities that one may be facing within life. I just noticed that you know I consider myself a pretty positive, pretty upbeat person. And, you know, unfortunately, there is, you know, a lot of negativity in the world, not only just with events happening, but, you know, with, with the thoughts that are going on in people's head, like, you know, I come across a lot of people with, like, a lot of negative self-talk, and, you know, at the end of the day, that's not necessarily going to help you in any way. So I think my big overarching goal with that podcast is to really just kind of have people that have those negative self-talk, you know, those thoughts in their head, kind of that internal voice really just trying to shift it the other way and try to become more positive within oneself just to create a more positive energy and just a more overall positive life and lifestyle and just a more overall level of happiness in life. Because um, I think a lot of it is prefaced on how you think. Um, so just trying to give them a little bit of different perspectives on, on how to think about certain things and how to approach them and try to give them some tips on what they can do a little bit differently than what they're already doing. Um, you know, as far as the direction that I want it to go, you know, I mean, we'll kind of see see where it goes. I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily doing it to you know become rich and famous per se, but really just trying to reach out to those people that need it. Uh, that's that's really my biggest goal is that people that are soaking it in. I'm just really hoping that they can take away a few nuggets of, of knowledge or wisdom in this case, um, and really try to apply some of those strategies and those tips that I give them because I really try to think that it's pretty practical in uh, very reasonable ways that you can go about it. And as far as the feedback, you know, everybody that does listen, it's, it's been nothing but positive. And I'm always open to, you know, hearing new ideas of things to talk about, you know, just as you are on your podcast. I think that's something that's really awesome is that, you know, you want to, you know, you want to please those that are listening. And I'm definitely open to any new ideas as far as uh, that. And how many have you done already? Um... <laughs> Honestly, I think offhand, I think maybe a half dozen. I actually, um, it's tough. I try to do one every week, but you know, as it goes, it's it's can be difficult. Sure. You know, Full time job, you know, trying to juggle it all, so to say. Uh, but I think about a half dozen, so six, maybe seven. I'm not quite sure. I actually uh, just recently came out with one this past Wednesday. Uh, just some tips on how to become a better listener, just because that's something that. I've been trying to do. I'm definitely very outspoken and I definitely like to talk myself. But, you know, I think the key to a great conversation is really having the ability to be an active listener and that's 
a lot different than what people might think at first. So if you want any tips on how to become a better listener, they can definitely check that out, Wednesday Wisdom, a few few tips on how to become a better listener and just have richer, more enjoyable conversations with people. And give yourself a little shameless plug. How can our listeners catch this? Uh, so if you so I run it through an app called Anchor. Uh, you can download the app Anchor on your smartphone and tablet. Um, also on several different platforms as you are, uh, one of them being Anchor as well as Podbean. I believe I'm on Google Play. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm yes, you are. That's how I heard your latest one was on Google Play. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And like I said, I'm just I'm just doing it for the people. Um, and also uh, at the Apple Podcasts as well on um, iPhones, iPads, anything Apple related, you can you can catch it through the Apple Podcast app as well. That's great, Jimmy. What's the most rewarding thing about teaching? You're you're finished up your first year. Um, you're obviously learning the ropes in a lot of ways. We talked off air about a lot of professional development stuff that I'm proud of you that you're doing uh, to become a better person and a better teacher. Uh, what's that first year rewar- rewards for you? Uh, you know, it's just knowing knowing that you had an impact, knowing that you made a difference uh, for me. You know, especially since I'm working with kids that are you know, elementary age, uh, mostly fourth and fifth grade this year, one second and third grade. Um, but you know, they're at a level, they're at a, a level of their development in their their life that they're very impressionable. And the the way that you present yourself as a person really can go a long way. You know, I, and I can definitely think back to when I was that age. You know, some specific teachers that really stood out to me. Um, you know, at the Atkinson School, you know, I remember all my teachers for sure, but, you know, Mr. Sturdivant, uh, B.J. Sturdivant, he really stood out to me just because, you know, in an elementary school setting, predominantly female teachers, um, so just having a nice positive male influence really can go a long way. So I definitely try to pride myself on being that in, in the school that I work in. And really just trying to, yes, yeah, so obviously, you know, I, I have to teach the curriculum, you know, I teach math and science. But to me, what's more important is uh, the life skills aspect of it. Um, really just trying to hammer home, you know, just be a great person, you know, go out of your way to be kind to people, respect one another, and just really hope that those ideas and those philosophies, they can take with them as they grow older and continue to develop. That's great. Um, Jimmy, we just had our 11-hour summer staff training. Um, when you were with us, we didn't have it 11 hours. It was, pre- it was pretty impressive. We talk a lot about uh, holding kids accountable um, and gratitude uh, were a couple of big things. And, and you and I have, um, we, we have a, a long history, um, and not to get into specifics, but we've had our little rocky moments at times too. Um, and what is, we talked a little bit off air about, um, you know, just holding kids accountable and what it means at the moment and what it means over a period of time. Can you talk to you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, so I think at the end of the day, you know, and like you said, as we talked off air, the whole concept of holding kids accountable and you mentioned this idea and I, and I totally agree with it now that I'm in a different position myself, you know, as, as an educator, as a teacher, um, they're not going to thank you then, but eventually they will. And I think it's a matter of not taking anything too personally and really just knowing that as that influence and you're really trying to hold them to that standard, you you can't back down. And honestly, that was one thing that I was very thankful for. 
you know, maybe not at the moment when I was working here and when we kind of had those rocky, rocky moments, as you said, I wasn't necessarily thankful for that at the moment. But after a couple of years of like reflection and again, kind of going through my own growth process, I really just kind of realized, you know, he was just doing it because, you know, he loved me, cared about me, wanted me to succeed. He wanted me to be at that level that he knew I could be at. So then, you know, I kind of came back and, and I had that discussion with you because you definitely, you definitely deserve that. Uh, just because growing up, and, and I mentioned a, a different podcast that I was listening to, they talk about, you know, you kind of have some heroes throughout your life. And, you know, my parents definitely are, you know, number one and two. For sure. Uh, but you're on that very short list of heroes. And, and I know we had that conversation and I just felt like in order for me to kind of restore and not that, not that it was ever, you know, broken. Our relationship was never, never broken. But in order to get it back to what I knew it could be and what I, and what I wanted it to be, you know, I just felt like that I needed to have that conversation with you. Yeah, and it was a, a great moment for me. Uh, I, I tweet often that, um, you know, hold kids accountable. They won't thank you today, but they will thank you sometime. We talked off here about our little situation, but also other people too. Sometimes it's an immediate uh, response back. Other times it takes a couple of years. And I was just telling you about a, a nice visit from a 44-year-old man that I had when he was 18 and, you know, basically came to basically say, I, I know what you were trying to do when I was 18 years old. So um, I tell people out there, you know, young teachers that get, you know, a little depressed at times, that kids are, aren't treating them really well. Uh, they are going to come full cycle. Trust me on this. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, Jimmy, you, you do have a lot of inspiration um, just listening to your podcast. Uh, you can tell uh, some people have been inspiring you, some books, some music. Uh, maybe a quick minute on, you know, where do you get some of your inspiration from? Oh, well, definitely, you know, I don't look much further than, you know, even some of my students, um, you know, even in the classroom and, and my colleagues, it's, it's really amazing, you know, what some of these young kids really can do. And, you know, talking about, you know, some of the messages that I was trying to, you know, put forth and I'll try to, I'll try to hold it together. You know, what I, I'll mention this one that really stood out to me this year, just knowing that not only I could have it, like could make a difference, but you know, this child made a difference in my life as well. You know, I try to put up a quote every week, um, you know, just for the kids to kind of chew on, think about throughout the week and whether or not, you know, they feel like they did that. Uh, one of them was, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. And this girl and, and her and her sister, I had her and her sister in, in class, they were fourth and fifth grade. Um, you know, they, they, get, they gave me this water bottle and they wrote on the entire thing. So as you turn the water bottle, you're reading, you know, the messages that they sent, uh, that they wrote, I should say. And, uh, you know, I got, I got halfway through it and it said, thank you for being the change that we wanted to see in the world. And, and I just lost it at that point. So I, it, was, it, was, it was the last day of school. Like I was just in my classroom, you know, at that moment. And, uh, you know, I just lost it. I just, I just started crying. So I, I had to go shut my door and just kind of like have my own moment. But, you know, those kids inspired me to become a better person. Um, so it definitely starts there. And just seeing the passion that my colleagues have becoming educators as well and like them being in the business and really seeing the influence that they can have on these kids. Um, you know, definitely my parents are a big influence, 
you know, you, uh, Steve Boudreaux growing up, you know, always helping me at the youth center. Um, uh, another one, oh my gosh, I, I got to mention this guy too. My mentor teacher, uh, Matt Flynn, you know, he was phenomenal. Always so, so supportive during my student teaching days, always offering, you know, constructive advice, but it was, he did it in such a respectful and nice way. Like he didn't look at me as, you know, his subordinate. He looked at me as, as a colleague, like that we were on a level playing field. And this is a guy that's been teaching for 15 years and he took me under his wing, you know, and, and I'm brand new. I'm a, I'm a student teacher. I don't, I don't know anything, really, you know, and, and he's looking at me like we're at the same level, you know, and, and he really just wanted me to continue to improve, um, you know, and, and as far as, you know, coaching goes, it, you know, Dan, Dan is a big inspiration too, I know, um, you know, him and I, we, we've definitely been working on our relationship as far as, like, becoming better coaches, but the passion that he has, and, and he just wants, you know, the kids to be better. You know, not, not because he wants to win games, but, like, for them, just so they can get the most out of their experience. And, you know, people don't really need to look much further than, like, their inner circle, and, that, and that's kind of, like, to me, that those are a lot of people that I can kind of look to, you know, for inspiration. Those are, those are all local people, and you know, I'm sure, you know, there's definitely, like, some people on Instagram and Twitter that I like to follow and that I like to quote, but, you know, the, the true, the true inspiration are, are the people around me, just because that's so much more local, and that's just, it's just so much more real. As we wrap up the podcast here, we have a kind of a two-fold question we want to end you in. We always allow our guests to have what we call the final word, but leading into the final word, um, could you talk a little bit about how Jimmy Wood and is maybe a different person than that little kid that walked through our doors here. And then with the same breath on your final word, what's a message that you want to really say to, whether it's your students up in Vermont, it's the kids working here at the youth center, or people that have touched your life here in North Andover? Yeah, well, he's uh, well, definitely grown. <laughs> that's that's one. But uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, though, um, you know, I've definitely come a long way. I feel like in... The way I think, uh, we, we were talking about that, you know, before we got on air, just kind of the way people think. Uh, when I was growing up, I think I was a lot more egotistical. Uh, I was definitely, I kind of felt like I was the big man on campus, so to say. Um, and John Boudreau, I was listening to the podcast that you, you and John had, um, and he was so right, you know, even for him, you know, he's, he's 21, I believe. To him, for him to have this insight, you know, he was saying how leaders, when you're younger, you're often, it's often like they're kind of the, the bullies, essentially. And, you know, reflecting, I almost kind of felt like I put myself in some of those situations. You know, we're not laughing with people, we're laughing at the expense of people. And as, as, a, as a teacher now, as an educator now, like, I can't, I can't support that at all. You know, so like if we're going to, you know, I'll use this scenario, like if I was in my own classroom and I saw some of that action, I would definitely hold young Jimmy accountable for that and I would try to let him know that he needs to empathize I think that's another big thing with me as far as my growth and my progression my ability to empathize now with people is much much higher than it used to be um, really just trying to put myself in that other person's shoes and really trying to see it through their their perspective before I make any judgments um, so that's definitely another thing too and, you know, going back to, you know, when, you know, the size of like certain problems and just trying to control the controllables, 
you know, for me, I used to get flustered a lot about things that, quite frankly, were out of my control. Um, and now, and you mentioned it earlier, but, you know, I really have been trying my best to, like, you know, if it's something that I can't control, just, just let it go. Because, you know, the negativity and that negative energy, the dwelling, that really kind of takes away from your greater purpose and, like, your ability to move forward with whatever it is you're trying to do. So I just try to let go on things that just I need to let go on and just focus on the bigger picture. Well, Jimmy, this has been great. Um, I actually really ask people uh, if you like some of the things that Jimmy said today. He's a, he's a great follower on social media. I love the Wednesday Wisdom idea that he's doing, and uh, hopefully he can try to get that up every week or every couple of weeks because um, he has a different message every week. Um, love the growth, Jimmy. I've known you since you were a little kid, and uh, the, the young man you become, uh, I'm very proud of. Uh, I know your family very well. I know your parents and your, and your siblings are proud of you, too. Keep changing the world. Uh, one step at a time up at that little community in Vermont. Obviously, the touching story you talked about with your student's gift. Um, you're obviously making some strides there. And as we told our kids in training yesterday, you have an opportunity to change kids' lives. And obviously, you're doing that every day. So continued success with that. And uh, don't be a stranger when you come back down south here. Make sure you uh, swing by the youth center and check things out. Things are going. Uh, next week, uh, next couple of weeks, we have a couple of people coming in, uh, long-awaited Bill Fahey, Director of Andover Youth Services, and a uh, colleague of mine for the last 30 years. We'll be talking about kids today, uh, and then also we're going to be having uh, Marquise Victor come in from Elevated Thought, another one of our former kids doing some amazing work um, through art and spoken word and, and music and things like that. So uh, thank you again for tuning in to Youth Centered Podcast, and as we finish every podcast, too much passion is not enough passion.